There it is, America. It's Brooklyn Paper Radio recording live. Wow, that was a lightning bolt from oh downtown Brooklyn. And I was going to say, if you hear boomers in the background, that's not Vince DiMasselli playing his bass drum. No. That is a storm the likes of which I haven't seen since I was a young knee-high to a jaybird. When I was a kid growing up in beautiful Staten Island, we'd love a storm like this. This is a hot August storm. It just rolls in in the middle of the day. And if you're lucky enough to have maybe a garage door that you can open up and mm. just stand there mm. where you're kind of protected or maybe, maybe, wow, that was another one. That well, one I'm yeah. sorry this is not a TV show. No, it's great stuff. Or if you have like a what do they call that? Uh, you know, uh, on, on your front a front porch that a you can sit porch. on and you could watch it, and it just comes in, and all of a sudden all the lights go on. Well, let me tell you something. All the lights go on on the sh- in the street, and then the storm just rolls through, and the next thing you know, it's gone. It's and almost it's already right gone now. here. But I, I wanted that's a Vince DiMasselli, Southern New York. You, you should have had a Southern accent for that story. Out ah, on the veranda. And I'm Gersh Kunzman of the New York Daily News, and I love a good storm like anybody else, but I love a big story. And the only reason I am here today, because as you know, Vince, we're on hiatus as I produce and star in Murder at the Food Co-op at the, what is that at the what um, is that? Fringe Festival. And it's a murder mystery farce about uh, the Park Slope Food Co-op based on a lot of the stuff that's been happening there hmm. and we've been reporting on for years. But anyway, it's a murder farce, Murder at the Food Co-op. So it's kind of like a kind of like a um, murder on the Orient Express at the food. Co-op. It is very much like that. Thank hmm. you. So anyway, I was bi- we're on hiatus. I was biking past. Where can I get tickets? You can get tickets at NY. Uh, sorry, fringenyc.org or go right to gershkunstman.com. And how much do those cost? Just eighteen dollars for a hmm. full fledged musical. Eighteen dollars. All right. Anyway, so I was biking past. The, the offices of the Brooklyn Paper and the Brooklyn Paper building de- in here in downtown Brooklyn, America's downtown. Yeah. And it's the, it came down in buckets. I pulled in here and said, well, screw the hiatus. We're back, baby. We're back. We are on the air. And we've got a lot to talk about. I want to tell you a couple of highlights. There's another bolt. Yeah. Oh, that, wow, was, that was really close. close. You heard it and you saw it. My dad said for every second, it's a mile away. But I'm not, I don't know how no, true that is. No, every three seconds, it's a mile away. No, he said every second. But, you know, he... Notable liar. Had a high school, he had a high school education. Okay. We do learn that in high school, you know. But I don't know what they taught. All right. Well, anyway, if someone wants to do the math on that and call us at 718-260-4508. I'm sorry, 4502. 4502. What's exciting today is I was on the J Street bike lane in the morning. I was on it in the afternoon. It's a tale of two cities out there because they finally finished the J Street bike lane. I'm sure Jimmy, our producer, is going to give me a round of applause for that piece of news. The J Street bike lane is done. And lo and behold, Vince, as I used the J Street bike lane, sure enough, a cop was double parked on J Street blocking traffic. And we'll talk to Paul Steely White of Transportation Alternatives about that. They're that's, a group. That, that's that anti-car group? It's not an anti-car group. They have been advocating for J Street bike lane, among other bike lanes. We're going to talk about bike safety. We're going to talk about why there are more city bikes in Jersey City than there are in Park Slope. Explain Jer- that to me. Jersey City bikes. Jersey, no, they're actual New York City City they're bikes. They're New York City bikes in, Jersey, in City. Jersey City. City bikes, Jersey City bikes. We are going to solve once and for all the schnitzel, the schnitzel house, the schnitzel house controversy over the picture of Donald Trump. And of course, we are going to talk about, and I, I got a lot of them, and I know Vince does, and I hope you have been writing in to us today, the most overrated foods of the summer. As you know, mine is watermelon. What's yours, Vince? Most overrated food of the summer. I don't like any of those salads they give you at, at the uh, at picnics. You, oh, you don't like, 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 like I don't coleslaw? Like potato salad or coleslaw. I don't like those. No, p- potato salad is like the pernicious cousin of coleslaw. They, they're always together. They're always next to each other. And I'm always wondering which one I like less. Yeah, well, coleslaw is obviously the one you like the less. But they're horrible. And they're, so if you want to join the conversation on that one, you should definitely call 718 
260-4502. Least favorite summer foods. And if you say not hamburgers... Not least favorite. It's most overrated. Most overrated. And if you say hamburgers or hot dogs, you're wrong. We're going to hang up on you. Yeah. We're gonna, you're going to listen to my friend, Mr. Click. That's going to sound like is. that. Yeah. All right. Anyway, we got to get started. First things first. We're going to get on the phone. As I said, Paul Steely White. Are we calling him or he's calling I'm us? I'm going to call him. Now, okay. listen. we got to be a little polite to him, Vince, because A, he's a good guy. I, never I mean, I like wasn't. the guy, personally. I don't know, whatever. Now, you can quibble if you're in the sound of my voice. Maybe you're a bike lane advocate. Maybe you're a bike lane opponent. Maybe you're a driver. Maybe you're a pedestrian. Maybe you're a cyclist. But Paul Steely White, who is now calling me on my mobile phone, Look at which that. is exactly what we didn't want, but I'm going to answer it and tell him I'm going to call him right back. Yeah. Paul Steely White, you're on the phone with Gersh Kuntzman and Vince DiMasselli on Brooklyn Paper Radio. Hey, what's up, Gersh? How are you <laughs> feeling, sir? We're not, we're not live, are we? We are live. I was going to call you on your phone, but you called me. Oh, well, I just wasn't sure what the plan was. Why don't I hang up and you can call me when you're ready? I'm going to call you in about two minutes, Paul Steely White. All right. All right. That's the kind of thing you get on Brooklyn Paper Radio. We're no, he's c- excited to be on the show. He's so excited that he's apparently he's going to have to move the kid into another room. You heard the kid screaming in the background. And all he said to probably the kid was, hey, I'm about to be on Brooklyn Paper Radio. And the kid went wild. He went nuts. The kid went wild. All right. We're going to give him a couple of minutes to sedate. Or, mm-hmm. or, so I want to just give you up to, an up-to-date look. I put a little whiskey around the, around the gums. A behind-the-scenes look at Murder at the Food Co-op. Oh, really? I have to. We open on Saturday. If you can hear the sound of my voice and you have not bought a ticket, you may get closed out for opening night Saturday, August 13th of Murder in the Food Co-op. And, Vince, you tried out for the so show. I did. What's it like, though? What's it going to be? You've produced shows before. I've co- of course I now, have. And I know that the second the show gets produced, the first time you go out, you run out, and you get the late edition or the early edition, as it were, the bulldog edition sure. of, the, of the New York Times to read the review. How does that go for you? How does that – how did it happen? How did it work for you last time with uh, SUV the Musical? And what's your expectation this time when you pick up that New York Times and you read Clive Barnes' review of, of, of Murder at the Well, I'm, I'm not expecting front page. No. But it's a totally different media landscape, as you know, Vince. When I did SUV the Musical in 2005 – we did indeed rush out, not for the Times, because they didn't deign to send a critic, but I did rush out for the early editions of, of all the local they, – they weren't blogs back then. People would print out newsletters like Common Sense and, Tom and Thomas Paine. Hmm. Nowadays, totally different media landscape. We've got some journalists coming to the show. Hmm. They've requested comp tickets, which I have Oh, that's provided. so ridiculous. Well, for example, the guy who runs the Brooklyn Lyceum, Eric Richmond, remember that guy? Yeah. He's, oh, he's coming because he wants to show it. He he may want to show it, but he's going to review it. But he's not at it. the Lyceum anymore. No, he's going to review it on Uber. Uber. He's, a, it's a, he's got a website devoted to uh, the Brooklyn Lyceum. So, for example, I will set up a Google alert mm-hmm. to trigger the first reviews of, of Murder at the Food Corp, and I will obviously call you, Vince, and tell you what the reviews are because you did try out for the show and you I didn't did. make the cut. I so did not. I know you're still at least interested in the show. I'm totally interested in the show. I'm trying to convince my wife to go. Uh, that's that's surprising that you would have to convince anyone to go. It's a great show. Eighteen dollars $18 gets you an hour and a half musical, full fledged musical. And it's not just the eighteen bucks though. 18, so it's eighteen times so it's thirty two. Then you got to have somebody watch the kids. You got to factor that in. Well, childcare will be provided. Will it? I don't no, think so. No, I can't, it won't. I'm not okay. bringing my kid to see Murder at the Food Co-op. Well, I, that's a mistake. I read the script. You're okay. There are some some penis jokes. Yeah. My my pelvis has no Elvis. But that's that's was part of the course. Your son needs to hear penis jokes. Uh, not yet. Okay. I will. I'll. What do you, when he needs to hear penis jokes, he'll hear them from me. All right. Well, anyway, we got to get out. I don't know. Murder what that the means. Food Co-op is now playing at the Fringe. Now we're okay. going to call Paul the Steely White. So uh, Jimmy, I need a little uh, dialing music. Little dialing music. 
You got any dialing music, Jimmy? There we go. I don't have anything. There we go. Try not to steal this phone number because it is his personal number. Oh, this number. is when the sound goes bad. Okay, here we go. Do I have to... I can just leave that the way it is? Okay. Here we go. Yeah, that's it. It kicks Should it, be a little louder. Over. That's actually pretty good. Wow, there's some storm out there. We should ask Paul Steely White if it's raining by him. Good point. We don't. I don't know where he lives. It's funny he's not answering. No, we just told him we were calling him back. Hello, this is Paul. Is that Paul Steely White, the aptly named... Yes, it is indeed. Gersh, it's great to be with you tonight. Well, well, of course, I'm Gersh Kunstman of the Daily News, and you are joined by me and Vince DiMincelli, the editor-in-chief of the Brooklyn Paper. Paul, it's great to hear the sound of your voice, first of all. Hey, I wish we were in person, but this is the next best thing. Well, I'll tell you one reason right off the bat why you wish we were in person, because I have a picture. Jimmy, we're going to put that picture up on the website. Uh-huh. I have a picture of the disaster potential disaster that is the, the J Street bike lane. I was telling Vince, Paul, it was a tale of two cities on the J Street bike lane today. In the morning, it wasn't done. Cars were everywhere. People were yelling at each other. I came by this afternoon just before the big storm, and it's done. No, I, was, I drove by this morning, well, this afternoon, probably around 1 o'clock, and they were out painting the lanes green, mm. give it that green lane look. I'm afraid yeah. now, after this storm just came through that it, w- it didn't dry and it's all, oh, it's it all gone away. So Paul Steely White, uh, for the record, yeah. wh- where is transportation alternatives on the J Street bike lane? You wanted that lane, right? Yes, we have worked very hard to change J Street to make it safer, more accessible, more rational. Most Brooklynites would agree it's the most dysfunctional street in the borough or close to the top. It's the mo- It was the most dangerous street in America. <laughs> well, it's we, a high stress yeah. corridor, as we like to say. I always call it the sluice because once I come off of Smith Street, I go into the sluice, and I don't know if I'm going to get out the other side, my friend. Susan Weiss, the editor of uh, New York Parenting, here in, in the office, came to me and said, "Do you do stories about J Street? Because I was just walking down there, and it's a disaster. Literally, just right before the show, she said she can never cross Tillery and Jay. She's afraid for her life." All right, so anyway, what did you it's guys do? It's a so, tough street. It's yeah. a tough street, and there's really no other way to get to the Manhattan Bridge exactly. or the Brooklyn Bridge for some people if you're riding your bike. I mean, Adams is under construction, as we also know, and that's about to get some fresh bike lane paint as well. Protected bikeway. So you, as a group, tra- as a group, Transportation yeah. Alternatives has been very much in front of the um, protected bike lanes, more bike lanes. Do you guys ever find yourself opposing the location of a bike lane based on, you know, you as cyclists or you as, you have drivers in your group also, obviously? Because so, sometimes it seems... Wait, wait, I thought this was an anti-car group. No, no, it's not an anti-car group, Vince. We've gone over this. Are you sure? <laughs> Paul, we're you have... Ca- you have dr- we're, just, we're just after a better balance on our streets so that people have the option of taking a bike or walking safely if they want to do Okay. So, but, but do you ever find... Do you ever we find... It's hard to get a word in edgewise with, but, you know. Okay, well, I asked the question. Have you ever found yourself, your group, actually opposing a bike lane location based on where it is? No, never opposed uh, a bike lane location. We have some concern when bike lanes proposed. Yeah. Talking to the community first without doing a little bit of outreach Mm -hmm. or a lot Mm -hmm. of outreach. You know, Clinton Avenue was a recent example of, I think, a, a project that was premature, and, you know, there should have been more communication that will sleep through for a long time. We've been talking to residents, 
you know, local merchants, uh, people on the board, people like Eric McClure from Park Slope Neighbors has been very active. And there's really no disagreement that it needs an upgrade. Some people might disagree with bike lane. We say it does. It's not quite done yet. Give it some time to work. We've been getting complaints already from our members. Like, there's already people parking in the bike lane. Yep. We're like, well, let's wait till the paint dries. <laughs> you know, so there's still, I think, a few days at least of finishing touches. And I think, too, the NYPD needs to establish a standard for better behavior as the lane goes in. Well, that's... We need to tack down on placards, parkers. You know, these people placards are they're fake placards they're placards that aren't supposed to be used in the in the way they're being used to block bike lanes so we need real enforcement yeah i mean i i gotta tell you that's one of the reasons i was uh, i we, we had jimmy put up the picture they, we i was on the bike lane so you got the bike lane a lane of parked cars and then a, a guy with a placard parked in the only now the only travel lane on j street going south and he's just parked there I, jimmy can you see this picture this is fantastic i wish we could send this to paul He's just parked there, and, and it happened just now, and it was one of those things where, okay, we'll give him a couple of days to figure it out, but you can't just park in a lane of moving traffic. That doesn't help drivers or cyclists. Yeah, even a gold-plated placard from Bill himself should not allow the bill to do that. Yeah. Uh, you know, we did a, a state Yeah, you're breaking up. The agency. We made up a city agency called the City uh, Philatelic Agency, I think it was. Nice. And... Uh, and it worked. We we weren't ticketed. We weren't towed. We could park wherever we wanted. It just, you know, there's no enforcement on placards. There, there must be. You know, for the reader who doesn't know, uh, philatelic is stamp collecting, Vince. Stamp collecting. Is that what that was? <laughs> Very well done. Exactly. It's for the reader and for the host that doesn't know. <laughs> now, you know, Vinny wanted to ask you another question, and then we're going to broaden the discussion. But this is a good one. Now, the Brooklyn Bridge Promenade, the expansion of the Brooklyn Bridge Promenade, I'm sure you've heard about this. It's been in all the papers. Obviously, a lot of people have, are excited about it because we need more space on the Brooklyn Bridge Promenade because there just isn't enough space. That's abundantly clear. But one of the complaints I've been getting from a lot of people is, you know what? Bicyclists shouldn't be allowed on the Brooklyn whoa, Bridge Promenade. Whoa. They should whoa. just take the Manhattan Bridge. What's your take on that whoa. one? Well, the bridges uh, are, you know, near each other. It keeps breaking up. Hey, Paul, you keep breaking up. We can't hear you. Oh, God. Hold on a second. Let me fix that. Stick your head out the window. (laughs) You know, they go to different places. I think he went deeper into the basement. Yeah, this is not dead air, America. This is just Paul Steely White trying to find a working cell in his house. Yeah, yeah. There he is. There he is. People need need the Brooklyn Bridge. It's a vital artery in the expanding bike network. It's a smart move for the DOT to expand the bike ped space. As is the case on so many of our streets, it's pedestrians and bicyclists fighting for the scraps. There's three lanes in either direction. While the city figures out the promenade and expanding it, they should take one of those car lanes and give it over to bicyclists and give the promenade exclusively to pedestrians. Well, there you go. That's a, that's a completely different uh, take on it. This is what I love about Paul Steely White. He sees through... <laughs> He sees through walls. It's the simple solution. Again, the simple anti-car solution. Just let the let the bicyclists go right through, close the lane to cars, and everybody's happy. I have no problem with that. Although I think a the few bro- years ago that might have been a little crazy, but bicycling today in 2016 is a mainstream mode of transportation. Almost a million New Yorkers right. are getting on their bikes at least a few times a month. City bike is expanding. We need to treat it like the mainstream mode that it now is. All right, now that brings up our next question, which is. 
You and I had a talk about this once, and I don't understand why there are more, I hate to say the word, more dead cyclists, double the number, versus last year. Just last year. I'm not talking about 20 years ago when nobody was cycling. Why are there so many dead cyclists now? And I'm blaming drivers. Yeah, so we're obviously shifting gears here. We have this to. Is a terrible, terrible year we're having. 15 cyclists dead so far this year. Last year, the, the total for the year was 15. Jesus. So we're, we're uh, not a good indication. We're looking at the data. We're looking at these cases, and what a, a common denominator in most of these cases is hit and run. We've seen multiple cases where drivers are striking cyclists, leaving the scene. One case where a driver intentionally ran yeah. over a bicyclist in a bike lane, Matthew Von Olin, of course, so really, uh, this speaks to the need for more protected bike lanes, better enforcement from the NYPD, and actually investigating these cases and going after the hit-and-run drivers. They're not going after the drivers in these cases. They're not arresting them. They're sending the message to reckless drivers that you can get away with murder, and that's not acceptable in the era of so-called Vision Zero. But, but why would there be more people getting hit at all? Forget about whether they flee, the driver flees the scene. Like, there's a lot of people getting hit. Right. So we need to pre prevent the hit, of course, uh, uh, in the first place. You know, good point. There's a lot of aggressive, reckless driving out there, mm -hmm. and that's a big part of the problem. In these cases, the cyclist wasn't doing anything wrong, despite early reports on the, you know, the fatality we had on 6th Avenue and Park Slope. Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. uh, you know, they, there were reports that he was you know, hanging off the back of a truck. turned out not to be true. It was an illegal truck off route. Or Lauren Davis... Mm -hmm. um, in, in, in Clinton Hill, they, they said she was going the wrong way. Well, turns out she wasn't. She was a law-abiding cyclist struck by a non-yielding driver. So really, it's just drivers are out of control, and the NYPD needs to get a hold of the situation. We need the uh, NYPD to treat traffic crime as seriously as rapes and murders and other types of violent crime. But I would think you'd have an ally in the mayor on that, because Vision Zero, quote-unquote Vision Zero, is his, his idea. It's his press release. <clears throat> We do have an ally in Mayor de Blasio, and he's doing a lot right. Uh, you know, we released a report about a month ago outlining what more needs to be done, particularly on enforcement, to align the NYPD with the DOT on Vision Zero. They're mm -hmm. simply not enforcing the law. They're not prioritizing these kinds of traffic crimes. More New Yorkers are dying in traffic than are murdered by guns, and yet so many of these precincts are barely mm -hmm. enforcing the law when it comes to speeding, red light running, failure to yield. Does the police department not like to enforce these laws? Is, is that your take when you, when you, when you talk about cops? I think that's a, that's a fair observation. You know, I, I think many cops view it as not real police work. You know, they didn't sign up to, you know, go after, uh, you know, traffic infractions. They signed up to chase real bad guys and all of that. But, you know, I also talk to cops who, who are proud of the job they do when they're enforcing traffic laws because they are saving lives when they're preventing that kind of uh, antisocial, dangerous behavior that we see so often on our streets. So really, I think it's going to be a combination of the NYPD getting serious about traffic safety, uh, prioritizing their limited enforcement resources according to the data, right? Like, let's not focus so much on tinted window and those kinds of things and more on just, like, egregious, reckless driving that's going completely unchecked. And we need more automated enforcement. We need more automated speed cameras, particularly around city schools. Only a fraction of schools have these life-saving devices. Speeding goes down more than 60% where these cameras are installed. They work. We need more of them. Albany uh, is a problem, and they're not letting us uh, deploy more of those cameras, but we think we can um, win that next session. I got one more. I got one more cause of all the danger out there, and that is distracted 
pedestrians. And I got a public service ad you should run. No, listen. Here's where I'm going. Paul, here's where I'm going. The most dangerous thing on the road, and it's a picture of of a pedestrian looking at a cell phone crossing, not even at a crosswalk against the light. That's the most dangerous thing on the road. We all agree that's, you know, idiotic behavior to cross the road while looking at your phone. It happens. We all see it. But look at the numbers. Look at the data. By and large, pedestrians are being killed and injured when they're in the crosswalk doing everything right. Everything right? Driving. When you're driving in the most pedestrian-rich city yes. in America, yes. you have a special responsibility. All things are not recreate. You know, all you're road right. users are not equal. When you have the capacity to run someone over with a two-ton vehicle. I stand corrected, so Paul. Driving is much worse of a problem, and the data support that. I stand corrected, Paul Steely White, but I will tell you this. I raise the issues just to hear what you have to say. <laughs> no, but I, as a <laughs> cyclist... Very, these are hot issues. Yeah. You know, everyone has an opinion. As Jeanette Sadakhan, the former traffic uh, uh, commissioner, transportation commissioner, used to say, you know, there's eight and a half billion traffic engineers in New York. Yeah. City. Everyone thinks they have a better idea of how to run the streets. I think it's because New Yorkers feel a lot of ownership over the streets. You know, we live in a crowded city. The streets are not just where we walk and bike and drive, but they're also our, our living rooms, in a sense. And right? where we have they're, sex. They're... Where we have sex sometimes. Am I right? <laughs> no? All right, no answer I to that. Mean, I haven't he... seen that lately, but... Uh, you don't sure go where I go, my friend. You don't go. <laughs> Last question, because we got to get out. Now, no, one more question. We've got a lot going on. Or right, maybe two more, but one more. Why are there more city bikes? And it's not your fault, so I don't know why I'm so angry. Why are there more city bikes in Jersey City than there are in Park Slope? Good question. Good question. I, I, I think um, it probably has to do with, uh, with we're still spread a little bit thin with our city bike stations. You know, I think the city's still trying to figure out how to bring the service to, you know, all corners of the city. Everyone's clamoring for it, but they have to maintain a station density that works, right? I mean, the only reason why City Bike is the most successful bike share system in the world, we have over seven trips per bike per day. London only has, I think, five. Paris has six. Something to be proud of. Um, I'm not sure what the number in Hoboken is. Uh, I don't. I don't think they're seeing as much use. But uh, you know, we need to make sure that when we expand City Bike, we are uh, providing su- sufficient station density so that people know every mm-hmm. couple blocks they're going to find a station. I mean, that's what makes it work. Yeah, I mean, I'm, Ruben Diaz and I are livid. about he's in the Bronx. I'm in Brooklyn. We are livid about this, and I never agree with Ruben Diaz. <laughs> <laughs> he's a rumored uh, mayoral candidate. You know, he's uh, his name keeps coming up as someone who who might run. Well, your yes. name comes up a lot too, you know. Your name comes oh, up. Right. Okay, it comes up in this Steel. room. It comes up in this room. Yes. Uh, a million people are running against the mayor. We're going to f- figure that out in three years. Vince has one last question, and it's my question too. But Vince is going to answer the BQX. We had Sam Schwartz in here a couple of weeks ago, and he was talking about the yeah, BQX. Love Sam, love Sam. Oh, we all do. And he was basically saying that the the BQX lanes could be used as bike lanes. Now there's tracks on them. Obviously, what, what's your what's your take on it? Do you see that happening? Or do you don't think, or do you think that Bike lanes and railroad tracks don't work together. I might disagree with Sam on that. You know, we're we're looking at how bicyclists and streetcars coexist in cities like Portland. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, that has an extensive bike and streetcar network. You know, it works best when you give cyclists their own separate space. And it's a political question. It's not so much an engineering question. It's just whether or not the city uh, and the powers that be. You know, value safety enough to give cyclists that exclusive space. You know, street injuries of cyclists, you know, tires going into streetcar tracks drastically decline when you provide that safe, separate infrastructure. So, you know, I got involved with the project originally because I wanted to make sure that the streetcar, you know, didn't impinge on the 
uh, Brooklyn Waterfront Greenway, which is wonderful, which is still being built and um, and will be a tremendous asset mm-hmm. uh, into the growing bike lane network. But um, you know, streetcars and bikes uh, can coexist peacefully, safely, but they have to have uh, separate but equal infrastructure. Separate but equal infrastructure. So, nice. so it's Paul, it's Paul Steeler went anti-car, anti-streetcar when it comes to sharing the road with with bicycles. Is that is that fair to say? Sure, you... I look forward to our next conversation when we have to talk about the L shutdown and how it's going to impact Brooklyn. Because rest assured, it will. We're going we're gonna to talk about that. Are you rushing yeah. off? You're rushing off. No. Oh, no. I just, <laughs> he, he didn't want to talk. That's, the other, that's he, the other guy. That's the transit guy. Here's the only thing I like about the BQX, the streetcar, is at least with a streetcar, I know where it's going to go. Right? It's on rails. Buses, I got this. The, these MTA bus drivers, not the city bus drivers, the, the, the Long Island Railroad, the, they're, they're like the, What are you talking about? There's two types of buses. The commuter, oh, you're talking about the commuter yeah, buses. Those guys are trained differently because I experience them in Lower Manhattan a lot, and they don't yield to cyclists. They're crazy. Whereas or the, pedestrians. Yeah, yeah but the regular they, they ones... Have, they have a highway a highway driving mentality, and the city drivers have, have gotten even even better uh, yeah. in the last few years um, with their training, and they've, they've pointed out how the buses can be improved to eliminate blind spots. But yeah, the express bus drivers uh, really need to um, adopt the city mentality, particularly when they're driving on city streets. This is a problem statewide. You know, the DMV. We met with them last week up in Albany. Who's that? You know, their driver, their driver manual, their driver education. It's all suburban, rural driving focused. Very True. little is focused on what drivers experience when they're in a dense city like like New York or, or even Buffalo. So. Um, you know, that's the thing. You know, drivers need to realize it's it's very different. Highway, rural, suburban driving is a totally different beast than city driving where things are coming at you out of nowhere every second. You've got to just understand that pedestrians rule the road. Do, do, you, think, do you think those expe- express bus drivers are trained differently? And I ask that because they're all MTA. Now, you're talking about express buses from, like, Queens and express buses. There are, no, I don't, are there express buses that come out of Long Island? I look at that for you. I think their no. training is very similar, but I think it's habitual. I think they're just driving on, on in a highway environment for so often. They're, they're get, they get velocitized, right? That's the word. Well, velocitized. They get into the city, and they're, they're, they just Falafel-sized? moving faster. I'd like a big falafel no. right I'd now. I'd like that, yeah. That would be tasty. <laughs> I love your, your use of language. That's like, we bring him on to talk about bikes, and he teaches us a new word, philosophized. Or something philosophized. Like philosophized. Jimmy, can you put that word up? We're going to put that. Put that's the word of the day. Put it on the board, Jim. All right, we got to get out. we got to pay some bills, and we got to let you go. you got kids. <laughs> Paul Steely-White of Transportation Thanks, Alternatives, George. always right. a gentleman, always yeah, intelligent, yeah, and yeah. always a dictionary. Uh, we try. We try. You know, a we thesaurus. You, you know, we have to fight for every shred of respect we get from New Yorkers, but we're doing a good job. Well, that. you don't have to fight with me. You might have to fight with Vince, but that's a whole other story. <laughs> yeah. Thank you, Paul Steely-White of Transportation Alternatives. Hang up yeah, on him, Jimmy. Right. Awesome. Take care. We gotta pay a couple yeah. of bills. We gotta pay a couple of bills. Love yeah. that guy. Gotta I love that. that. Whoa, that's really there loud. That's it. So, guys, first of all, Vince, you went after him. Did I? I mean, you called him anti-car. I called him anti-streetcar as well. Yeah. All right. Anyway, but I wanted to tell him this. What did you want to tell him? I Rich? wanted to say, look, Paul, if you get knocked off your bike, uh-huh. like and I did on Smith some, Street, and once, had some music if you had while some music that was happening, you would need a dentist who provides quality care at an affordable price. And I would have said to Paul. Look no further than Dr. Joseph Lichter. I love Lichter. You know this guy, Lichter? Mm-hmm. He's not only got hygienists and dentists and a state-of-the-art office with technology and techniques, he's got prices that are practically so low, he's giving it all away. Yep. And I'm it's talking like, it's about... It's like Christmas in August. I'm talking about root canal therapy. I'm talking about tooth extractions, cleanings, fillings, Invisalign. I love that. Porcelain veneers, crowns, bridges. All you got to do is see Lichter. He'll make your broken smile look like new. Yep. 
prices are low, not like Brooklyn Heights. We're talking about low, Dr. Joseph low, Lichter, low. 718-339-7870. You get an appointment. He's out there on 1402 Avenue P. As in periodontal. Which is between East 14th and East 15th in Mid- Streets in Midwood. You visit his website at Joseph Lichter. That's L-I-C-H-T-E-R-D-D-S.com. Dot com. I love it. Atlas Steakhouse offers you a unique dining experience first. You choose your steak, and every cut there is Wait, you aged. choose your steak first? First, you choose your steak. Okay. First thing you do, you walk in, you choose a steak. New York Strip. There's a whole, oh, is that what you have? Yeah, sure. All right. I like a filet. Mm. No, people knock me on it, but I like a filet. I like the uh, texture. You say what you want. You know yeah, what I, I guess like? if it's cooked well, you get a nice char on the outside, but it's not enough fat in a filet. I like a chopped sirloin. <laughs> it's called a hamburger, but I okay. like a chopped sirloin. Choose your steak. Everyone is aged to tender perfection. On site, you pair it with a vintage from their extensive wine selection or with an Atlas Steakhouse signature cocktail like the Godfather, for instance. Oh, I love that Godfather. It was like whiskey and something else. And something else, yeah. Big piece of ice. You can enjoy a succulent... <laughs> that, wasn't, that wasn't the other thing that was so exciting. It was, it was a nice piece of ice, but... You can enjoy a succulent appetizer as their master chef crafts your choice cut as you desired for me. Medium rare. Me too. Always. Unless it's like... A, I don't get like I went to my brother's this week and had a uh, what, what is another strip steak? What is that? What's those little those like London broil? London broil stinks. They make a London broil and they well they don't make it at, at, at Atlas Steakhouse, but you have no. a London broil and that I like medium or really? or medium well. Oh, because you make it like an, a sandwich au jus. I don't know what it is because I'm I am a Jew and when I have a sandwich au jus, it's medium rare. I'll tell you a story about that tiger incident off the air. <laughs> okay. <laughs> When your main course arrives, you will understand why at Atlas Steakhouse, they always offer you a cut above the rest. Atlas Steakhouse at 943 Coney Allen Avenue. You can visit them on the web at atlassteak.com. You know, that wasn't even an ad. That was like a comedy routine, a steak-based comedy routine. It was steak-based. All right. Listen, we got to get out. Bonjour. We got to get back in, I mean. (laughs) We've We've talked about murder at the food court. We've talked about the storm. We've talked about bike lanes with Paul Steely White. And it's still coming down, by the way. And my show is still going up on Saturday. Ah, And Paul Steely White's still dealing with the bike lane situation. Did I tell you I had had surgery on my back? No, you didn't. I did. Well, no, I had like one of those those, um, precancerous. Come on in uh, here. We got someone. Come on. Oh, there there she is. Come on in here. Well, it's Caroline Spivak, our new reporter. You're going to tell us about your – can we get the – What are you doing here? I, We're doing I a radio show. In. I called her in. Oh, you did? Can you get the How'd you do that? music? I, just let, I, I got a surprise for our listeners. Oh, okay. Here, have a here seat. I thought you just wandered in. Put on your headphones. The now, the rule when you're on Brooklyn Paper Radio, Karen, is to look at the microphone. Yeah. Don't look at us. Don't well, worry first, about us. You well, look listen, at the microphone. That music means it's time for our In the Paper segment. And there was no bigger story no, this morning week. Morning paper segment. Morning papers. Morning papers. Yes. There was no bigger story this week. Then the story of the Brooklyn paper broke about the Schnitzel House. And joining us right now is the reporter whose Pulitzer worthy story, and I don't say Pulitzer winning because we we're not take there this yet. Stuff lightly, yeah. Pulitzer worthy story. I think it costs like $50 to enter. So if you have $50, Caroline, we will enter you. And then you can be <laughs> Pulitzer nominated. And then you can be, yeah, pull, pull. That was always our problem. We were a little too cheap to win Pulitzers. But, <laughs> Caroline, first introduce yourself because this is the first time on Brooklyn Paper Radio. Hey, I'm Caroline Spivak. I'm the new uh, Bay Ridge Courier reporter. Wow, you got a great voice for radio. Yeah. <laughs> That's why it's one of the reasons we hired her. Yeah, I got to first say, thing I do when I, when I interview people now is I listen. Wow, I listen closely. 
Second thing you do is you go on their Twitter account to make sure they're not tweeting like dick pics. Am I right? <laughs> Without question. They can't have that. Okay. Well, I, I always hire them if they do. Anyway, oh, so we've got our first caller. Can I answer this? No, just say you're on the air. You're on the air with Brooklyn Paper Radio and Vince DiMaselli, Gersh Kussman, and Carolyn Spivak. Hi, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm so happy to finally hear somebody talking about Southern Brooklyn because, you know, all I ever hear on this radio show is North Brooklyn this and, mm. you know, mm. uh, Greenpoint that and yeah. Williamsburg this. You know, I mean, there's so much going on in Southern Brooklyn, but you never pay any attention to it. What's going on? I find that hard to believe. No, that's true. I mean, oh, by the way, what's your name and where you're from? Uh, don't worry about it. I'm, uh, you know, well, just say where you're from. I'm I'm from Bay Ridge. Awesome. Oh, okay. Yeah. Have you have you been to uh, Schnitzel House? Yes, I love the Wiener Schnitzel. All right, oh, okay. but before we're not going to hang up on you, but I do want Caroline to at least explain the story to, to the people who didn't listen. Stay with us, caller. Caroline, tell us what happened at the Schnitzel House. Yeah, so the controversy about Schnitzel House was they put up a photo of Donald Trump about ten years ago when he visited. And now, for, those, oh, of you, whoa, whoa, for whoa. those of you not from New York City listening to our show out there and about in New York City, it's kind of a tradition when a kind of a star or somebody comes into your to your restaurant, they give you a headshot, they sign it, and they say, hey, it was the best schnitzel ever. Okay, wait, we know that Trump visited the schnitzel house? Yes. Yeah, so okay. apparently the Urbans, Amber and Fred Urban, the owners of Schnitzel Haas, are friends with the head of like Trump's Haas. security. Mm-hmm. Okay, good. So, so Trump comes in and he signs a picture. Yeah, no, so Trump came in and visited them, at, and this was, at, this was at a time when they were only a few months old, so he wanted to wish them good luck on their business, so he said to them, hey, do you want a signed headshot? They never thought they would actually see anything, but then, uh, you know, the next day, FedEx shows up with a signed headshot that says, best of luck, Fred and Amber. Nice, okay, so the, they then they put the picture up. Yeah, so then they put the picture up, and it sat on their wall by the door for about 10 years. And uh, there was no controversy at all. But now that he's the um, Republican nominee, people are people mm. are pissed off. Well, some people. Oh, now, we've got, a, call, people. We've got a caller on you know, the line. You know, I signed a photo, and I gave it to him, and they didn't put it up. So you're upset about that. <laughs> I'm, I'm a little upset about that. I think that's ridiculous. You know, Donald Trump gets up there. What has he ever done? Well, that's a whole other... That's a discussion for another time. But and another sir, show. Sir, you're a Bay Ridge resident. Where do you come down on the list? If I own a restaurant and a guy visits my restaurant, doesn't mean I endorse him, but I got a picture of him. What do you think? What do I think? Uh, oh, jeez. I don't know. I mean... How you know, you did call a radio show, sir. Yeah, I know. You're supposed to come with ideas. Well, you know, I just wanted to talk about, you know, all the Northern Brooklyn stuff that I keep hearing on this radio show. And, uh... I just don't think we're being treated fairly down in Southern Brooklyn for all the great things that happened down here. There's no question about that. That's why we Have hired you? Caroline Spivak to cover your, your area. She's a great oh, young so reporter. She's great. She's yeah. really great. All right, hold on, caller. So now, so what, ultimately, Caroline, what happened? They eventually relented. They took the picture down, and now it's back. Yeah, so they took the picture down because they felt like they had no choice because they were Wasn't getting... That, that was like a Yelp thing? Like people were complaining about it on the Yelp? Yeah, they were getting some negative feedback on Yelp. People were saying, oh, great restaurant, great food, but they have a photo of Donald Trump, so I'm going to give you one star. Because negative feedback is generally what we get when Jimmy is on the on the mics. There's no offense, Jimmy. Yeah. Anyway, so keep going. Yeah. So uh, you know they were they were upset that it was starting to affect their business. So they took the photo down, and then they got a a hailstorm criticism saying that they shouldn't have bowed down to the pressure of taking the photo. Wait, hold on a second. D- it, hey, caller, is there a, is it does it often hail in Bay Ridge? <laughs> 
Is it often hail? No, no, it doesn't. Right, so it wasn't really a hailstorm of criticism. They just were under a lot of criticism. It's a proverbial hailstorm. Yeah, proverbial. Thank proverbial. you. Thank you. Okay, keep going. Okay, so they got some criticism for taking it down, and then they didn't want to take it down to begin with. They were really honored that Trump visited their restaurant, and ah. they wanted to show the showcase it. I mean, to them, they just kept saying he's a prominent Did businessman. We're yeah. honored that he's here. He's big on German American culture in New York City. You know. And he said that their portions were huge. <laughs> Actually, they are big. They really Huge. are big. They are Ca- big. Caller, have you ever been to Schnitzel House? Well, I asked them that. I one. have, yes, yes. Are the portions sizable? Uh, yes, I would say they are, are, are sizable. Yes. Right, I like having this guy as like not, a... You know, He's like a reality check. Stuff like you get up in, uh, in Williamsburg, you know what I mean? All right, all right stop, stop with the... <laughs> there's no reason <laughs> to make this... I mean, we have a section in the paper called, what is it, Brooklyn versus Brooklyn? Brooklyn, Brooklyn versus Brooklyn, yes. Yeah. But this is not neither the time nor the place because we are actually focused on your issues right now and we're going to talk about more. So in the end, Caroline, what happened? Okay, so in the end, they decided that they wanted to put the photo back up. Of course. They put mm-hmm. the photo back up, but then... Not even 24 hours that the photo had been back up, someone scribbled a mustache and devil horns in lipstick, in what appeared to be lipstick, on, horns. on the headshot. But that would be on the glass, right? It was that was on the glass. Okay. So it wasn't yeah. directly on the photo, but, you know, so the Urbans had to take the photo down, clean it, and now it's finally back up. All right, so let's just talk for a second, and the caller can join in in a second. But, Vince, you're a proud American. Yes, I am. Now, I'm a proud American, too. I but love I, this country. But I define America differently. To me, it's all about... Freedom to do what you want to do. I say they shouldn't have taken it down, and I say if they want to put it up, they should put it back up. Where are you, Vince? I think they should leave it up. I have no problem with the Donald Trump. Now, photo. Caroline, I'm sure there are plenty of restaurants in New York City that have Donald Trump photos. Well, from, er- from yeah. Ernie Anastas is the biggest. You see his picture oh, everywhere. He's, he's been been there, done that. All right, so, Caroline, where are you? Because you're a noted liberal, from what I understand. Mm-hmm. Where do where do you stand? Should they have put the picture up in the first place? Yeah, I mean, I don't have any problem with it. I mean, they've been very clear that it's not it's not expressing their political preference. It's just because sure. they're honored that someone came and visited and gave them a headshot wishing them luck on their business. All right, so do what they th- have any other headshots up around there? Maybe Ernie Anastas, possibly Roseanne Scarmadella? I think they have one of Al Pacino. Oh, ah, Al Pacino. All right, so caller, caller, where do you stand on that? He's not the greatest actor of all time. Al Pacino? Yeah. Oh, he's up there, though. Is he? What's your favorite Pacino role? Are you kidding me? What's your favorite, favorite Pacino? Pacino role? Yeah. Um, oh, God. Kalito's uh, Way. Oh, please. <laughs> <laughs> what about a Godfather? What's wrong with you? <laughs> this is why we can't yeah, take Kalito's calls from people way. in Southern like Brooklyn. All right. Kalito's Way is a good movie, though, because it's Kalito's Way. I didn't like it. It's an amazing movie. I was there when they filmed it. I, I was working at the... Uh, the Kaufman Astoria Studios when they filmed that movie. Nice. What yeah. about what about Scarface? I mean, that's a good one. No, I hated that one. Oh yeah, that's a great one. I did not like Scarface. Overrated. 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 Oh, we, we, we're going to have to hang up here in a minute. But the next segment in our show is what is the most overrated summer food? And I'm going to ask the caller because we're going to hang up on him in a minute. Go. Most overrated summer food? What, uh, specifically summer? Yeah. Yeah. Oh jeez. Uh... I don't know. I mean, give me some... What's a summer food? For me, it's like watermelon or lobster rolls. They show for up me, in the summer, and I'm supposed to go crazy. For me, it's coleslaw and potato salad. What's it for you? Let's go. I love coleslaw. Uh, oh, man. I would say... Uh, I don't know. I love summer food. Oh, hang up on oh, This is ridiculous. Sorry. Thanks sorry. for calling, but come on. All right, Caroline, most overrated summer food. Mm, most overrated summer food. That's our next segment. You think about it while we, while we, while we talk about... I'm going to tell you right now, it's not ice cream. All right, yeah, because I scream for it, and I know Vince screams for it, and we all scream. We for all it. scream. I for feel it. like it's hot dogs. I feel like I. Oh, get out! Get out! Get out! Get out! Get out! Carolyn Spivak, nice talking to you. Us. 
You know, it's great, and she's a great young reporter. But that no, hot dog answer no, was absolutely. Can't. First of all, how once the weather starts turning warm, you can get out, Carolyn. We'll talk about you in your yeah. winter. Slam the door. Once the weather starts getting warm, and I I start watching baseball again, I get that hot dog craving. When I go up to Cape Cod every year for the Fourth of July week, my father-in-law. Up there in uh, Cape Cod, loves KM's hot dogs, which are uh, if you go to Fenway Park, that's what they serve. They don't have a Fenway Frank. No, it's they, a KM. They do have a Fenway Frank. No, they don't. They have a KM hot dogs. It's with the natural skin wrapper. They got that certain okay. Christmas. He loves I, them. I, I'm not I a was fan. literally at Fenway Park last summer, and they had a Fenway Frank. No, now it may so. be manufactured by KM's. Well, you'll have to Google it. All right, if you if you have an answer to that, call seven one eight two six zero four five zero two. But let's just be clear here. Like the, the easy answer for to this question is hot dogs and hamburgers. But that's ridiculous. Hot dogs and hamburgers are not overrated. No, they're, they're, because they've been around so long, they are simply rated. You either like them or you don't, but they're not overrated. No, now, they're delicious. We've got to get out of this conversation, but I want Vince, while I'm, on the fu- while I'm talking about overrated food. Jimmy, how much time do we have left? Y- yell it out. Yell it because we can't hear you. Yeah. 19 minutes. Oh, we got 19 okay, minutes. Okay, 19 minutes. Plenty of time. So listen, and, and we don't have to use all 19, but here's no. the thing. We were talking earlier about overrated foods, and I asked Vince to post a story on the Brooklyn Paper website Announcing that we're going to talk about overrated foods because my column on the subject comes out in the Daily News tomorrow. Yep. How many people commented on that? Let's take a look. We're going to take a look because I want to air your overrated f- – because this What's is interactive saying? radio. No, I told people to call. I'll call. We, 718-260-4502. Tell us your most overrated summer food. Jimmy, while, while I got your phone, Jimmy, what's your most overrated summer food? Yeah, he's really. It's he, another he, one. He, he just shrugs. At least say something. This is a, a not a visual medium. Tortellini salad. Something. It's the uh, like the red mango slushy. The red, the red mango, mango slushy. slushy. So I, he's in the popsicle camp. That's there also in my story, Jimmy. Yes. All right. Did anybody comment on the story about their favorite? No dough? one commented. Okay. About that. Well, then I'm going to comment. Good. So avocados overrated. Watermelon overrated. Yeah, watermelon. I'm sure at some point watermelon was good. Yeah. It's like one of those things. It's like when I was a kid, you'd get a tomato in New York City oh. and you couldn't eat them. They were, they, yeah, I don't yeah. know, they were like mealy. And, yep. and I think that's what's happened to, to watermelons. I'm sure there's a tasty watermelon out there. No. I just haven't had it in years. I blame science because they, they, they bred out the seeds. So now you get seedless watermelon. It's not really a watermelon. Okay. Gazpacho. That's on my list. Gazpacho being a, a, a cold soup. Any a cold, cold soup? No, or a cold specific? tomato soup. Cold. And when you've got. The perky tomatoes that we have this summer. And I just, when I say perky, I mean I mean really delicious. Don't turn it into a soup. Just slice it thin or thick with a little oil and touch of vinegar, and it's just you, just, you eat it like a steak. Ooh, like basil. You put a little basil, a little uh, a little tomato, a little mozzarella in it. Yeah, that's, that's all a, you got to do. Mozzarella pomodoro. You make a tomato Napoleon. That's all it is, baby. That's oh, all it is. Good, good so don't turn it into a soup. Anyway, read all about the most overrated summer foods in the Daily News tomorrow, my column, Gersh Kuntzman, as you know, a legend of summer foods. we got to get out. we got to pay some bills, Vince. Why don't you go first? Jimmy, you get to that music? Give me a little bill-paying music. Oh, there it is. The Atlas Steakhouse. Dine a cut above the rest. Select your premium cut. Aged on site for optimal texture and taste. Enjoy delicious vintage wines, expertly mixed cocktails, and signature appetizers while Atlas Steakhouse crafts your choice cut into a culinary masterpiece. Complete your dining experience with an exquisite signature dessert, and you will understand that Atlas Steakhouse, you always dine a cut above the rest. Atlas Steakhouse, 943 Coney Island Avenue in beautiful Ditmas Park. Find them online at Atlas Steak. 
Steakhouse.com. Look, when you eat a steak, like the steak at Atlas Steak House, yep. you got to go to a dentist after because the steak is so toothy and so delicious. You're going to get steak all over your face and in your gums. In your bridge work, it doesn't matter. you got to get it that cleaned up. So where would you go? You'd go to Dr. Joseph Lichter, DDS, because he's cheap. And when I say cheap, I don't mean that as a value judgment. He's great. He's great at what he does, but he's inexpensive. Mm-hmm. Meaning, you're going to get tooth cleanings, fillings, root canal, cosmetic dentistry, implants, porcelain veneers, crowns, fixed bridges, more for prices that are a fraction, a fraction, and I mean a fraction with a really, really, really small denom- uh, not num- denominator. Of what you're going to pay in Brooklyn Heights. Which one's the numerator, numerator and which one's the dom- um, denominator? The denominator is the bottom, but the bottom one. So you're talking a like a small like number. 32nd. Like, like a, a one No, like one third or one half the price you're going to pay in Brooklyn so Heights. So it's, a, it's, a, it's a, a low number. It's a low denominator. A low denominator. <laughs> I shouldn't have gone with math. We're talking about dentistry here. We're not talking about physics. That's right. Or math. We're talking about Wait, Maybe we are talking about He's math. a high-quality, state-of-the-art dentist. You call him up at 718-339-7878. You set up an appointment. He's on 1420 Avenue P in Midwood. That's periodontal. And you can visit his website at josephlichterdds.com. Yeah. He's a great dentist and a great American. And speaking of great American, All right, we can kill the music. There, yeah, Jimmy. kill that, Jimmy. Speaking of great Americans. Uh, we have one more, one more part of the show we got I got do. two more. Speaking of great Americans, yeah. where were you on the Gabby Douglas not putting her hand over her heart as they played the gold medal? I didn't. This is the first I'm hearing about it. I'm not, I'm not an Olympics guy. All right. Well, anyway, she didn't put her hand over her heart. And it turns out I did. A, I was teaching a lesson in journalism to one of my young interns today. Uh-huh. So Gabby Douglas doesn't put her hand over her heart. I don't even know who Gabby Douglas is, frankly. American gymnast Gabby Douglas, who won the gold medal on Tuesday night, did not put her hand over her heart mm-hmm. when they sang the national anthem. Which is traditional, though not required, or so I thought. Mm-hmm. So I was teaching my young intern. I said, hey, by the way, do you think it's what, – what's the rule about that? Is there a rule? And he's like, oh, I don't know. I think you can do whatever you want. Wrong! There's a rule? Not only is there a rule, mm-hmm. there's is- a federal law that requires you to put your hand over your heart when the national anthem is played. There is a federal law. This is a, a, a countrywide law. Federal law. if the national anthem is played – you need to put your hand over your heart. And you need to stand. It's really? in the U.S. Code. It's in my story. Go to dailynews.com. Do you have to take your hat off? It says you have to take your hat off as well. Jenny so I did a little gets... checking on this. It turns out no one has ever been prosecuted under this law. You don't want to know why? Because John Kennedy O'Hara never actually didn't do it. Is <laughs> that's that a, why? That's the ultimate inside joke. The reason no one has ever been prosecuted, of course, Jimmy, you know it, the First Amendment, which basically nullifies that law. Now... If you and I want to challenge that law and get it thrown out, Uh we could do that. We don't need to. We have the First Amendment. So you do not have to stand or put your hand over your heart. Let's take it a step further. Who who wrote that law? This is Congress wrote that law. I know, but the actual person? Yeah, that's what I would do. I would take it all the way back to that person. Well, this is 1942, I believe. Really? Yeah. It was amended. It was a year of great nationalism. No question about it. Every commie, every bed had a commie underneath it. Yep. Every pot had a chicken in it. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so we got to get out. The point is I wrote a column on it. It's on nydailynews.com. Please click on it because clicks don't lie. If you click on it, it means you endorse it. Yep. No, I didn't mean that, but it means I can get a raise maybe next year. Hopefully. All right, we got to get out. Last topic of the day. Vince says to me the other day, you know, I'm a middle-of-the-road guy. Yes, I'm sort of conservative. I'm sort of conservative. No, a fiscally conservative, yes. I don't really like Hillary, but I can't vote for Trump. And mm-hmm. I said can't vote for Trump. I can't vote for Trump. Who votes for this guy? Who's, who's the voter? 
who supports Donald Trump? Mm-hmm. Turns out it's my dad. Oh my God! So we got to get him on the phone, Jimmy. I'm gonna I'm gonna go with the phone on this. Uh, well, you get very nervous when this happens. Do me a favor. Don't try not to pick up this phone number because it is his home phone. And your dad's an American hero, right? Sure, my dad's an American hero, right? He didn't he invent uh, propane? He was and involved. Propane related pro- products. He was. Thanks, Jimmy. You don't know how to dial a phone. He was involved in the in the invention of Valium. And we're going to call him up. He's going to call us up. There's some dialing music. Dialing. So just so you know, I've been doing conversations with my dad in the Daily News for the last two weeks, and they have gotten very heated. Now, we're going to try to keep it really civil, but it's not always so easy. Does his phone work? No, I don't know what's going on here. He's, he, maybe he blocked my number because he knows I'm... Can I try one more time, Jimmy? Yeah, of course you can. All right. Please don't take that number. Yeah, that's, that's you know, if you're don't recording that... And playing it into the phone. I don't think it's working. I don't think I don't think you know how to dial. All right, why don't you do it? I'm why don't you do try. it? Hold okay. on. Write down the number. I'll for write me. down. Oh, here. Here's what we're gonna do. Well, I'm gonna save the number because I don't. I don't care. No, here. There it is. I don't know how to dial a number. You believe this? You bought the cheapest phone in the history of the world. I don't blame. No, blame. you don't know how to dial a phone either. I don't. I blame Jimmy. All right, well, I'm doing it one more time, and that's here, it. One more time. See, it keeps cutting out. It cut out. It's Jimmy's fault. It cut out. No, on here, eight. I think Is, we got him this time. Did it ring? No, no we don't have. Him. No, we don't have. Him. Anyway, if we were to have this conversation. My father would be – he's a bully. He's a, he's a right-wing bully. And I'm printing the, the columns in the Daily News website, and we are getting such response. We had 100,000 page views the other day of people just – oh, we're going to call him? I'm calling him here, and then I'm going to transfer it to his phone. Well, we got to tell him when what When he doing. picks up, yeah. you got to talk. Okay. And then I'm going to transfer him. You're really going to transfer him? Yeah, then I'm going to transfer it so it goes on the line. Okay. You can put that on auto, Jimmy. He may not be home. What do you mean? I thought you set this up. No, I didn't set it up. I call him random. <sighs> the thing with my dad is you gotta call him when he's like doesn't know it's coming, so he can't prepare. He just has to be all gut. Ron and Bern Kunstman, How does he pronounce that? He's got a very thick New York accent. I'm surprised he hasn't changed the voicemail to be it's Ron Kunstman, I'm voting for Trump, screw you. Hold on, let me leave a message. Oh my god. Hey, Dad, it's Gersh Cousman and Vince DiMaselli from Brooklyn Paper Radio. We wanted to talk to you on the air about, well, Donald Trump, Hillary Clinton, and all the other topics you're interested in today. That's Gersh Cousman and Vince DiMaselli on Brooklyn Paper Radio. If you get this message in the next 10 minutes, call 718-260-4502. And I'm Gersh Cousman of Brooklyn Paper Radio. And please read brooklynpaper.com. So a lot of people think we just called him to make an advertisement for the show, but we really did want to talk to my dad, and we're going to talk a little bit. So just so you know, Vince, yeah, the last column we did. Well, my, yeah, you've spoken to him about it. Maybe you can fill us in on his rationale. So I've written a couple of columns. The first column, his rationale was he hates Hillary. He hates Hillary right, so, so much. So it's not so much a vote for Trump as it is a vote not for Hillary. And that's fair. Okay. But in this year, when the when the contrast is so stark, you know, there have been years where. Maybe the Democrat and Republican weren't that weren't that divided. Weren't America would go on? There are 
dozens of Republican leaders, former CIA heads, former lawmakers who actually believe Donald Trump is dangerous to our country. Now, Vince, you're a middle-of-the-road kind of guy. Yeah. If Donald Trump got elected, what would happen? Well, first, we'd move to Canada. So you're afraid of Donald Trump? I, I don't think that it would be a, uh, the greatest thing in the world if Donald Trump were. And I, I do think there would be problems because I don't think that he's prepared for the job. And quite frankly, I think if he, if he won, he'd probably figure out a way to step down. He probably doesn't even want the job. Well, that's crazy. I mean, I, 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 let's I don't assume, think it's crazy. Let's stipulate for a second that he wants the job. No. What is the you're, – because you're, you're a guy – We've had Vince and I have had a lot of conversations over the year. He thinks, look, it's all going to work out. There's a pendulum. He t- talks about the pendulum. I do talk it about the pendulum. It swings left. It swings right. It swings pro-bike lane. It swings anti-bike lane. It swings. Yeah, it's swinging. If yeah, you know, There's a lot that's swinging in Donald Trump. Mm-hmm. All right. The question is, if Donald Trump's elected, does uh-huh. the pendulum actually fall off the – whatever the apparatus is? Does it fall off? I, you know what? I think you say we'll cross that bridge when we come to it. I don't think he's going to get elected. I don't think that – yeah, I'm I don't think asking the question. It's a hypothetical. Oh, no, I don't answer hypothetical. No, it's not that I don't answer the hypothetical. I just think that – like. If he were elected president, I don't know what the hell would happen. See, I think the republic would go on. Of course everything's going to go on, but it seems like it would put us, you know, I don't think it would put us in a good position. Well, not, not, it wouldn't put us in a good position. All right, so then let's ask this question. Yeah. Eight years, the Obama administration, go. What about it? What, what's the legacy? Disappointing. Disappointing? Why? It was disappointing. I think we, you know, everyone was very excited when he was first elected. Sure. And I think it was a tough re-election. You know, but I think it was a tough re-election because we expected so much to happen, and things mm-hmm. kind of ground to a halt because of the divisiveness in in Congress. All right, that's a narrative. You're you're, you're a prisoner of the narrative. I'm not a prisoner of the narrative. I, I think I'm the narrative is: we, what did we expect from Obama? That was so amazing. Oh, he didn't get it done. He got a lot done. All right, tell me what he got done. Well, obviously the health care bill, which I don't love, but he got it through. And, I, don't, and, I really don't have a problem with the health care bill. I, I don't have, I, don't have, uh, I have a huge problem with it, and, and that's a topic for another time. Yeah. But he got it through. But that's it. Yeah, well. That's it. You got your health care, and that's it. No, there's a lot Eight of stuff. First of all, he's been doing a lot of stuff with executive action that Congress hates because it's not very democratic. We know that. We got Cuba opened up. We can Cuba go. I can go on a cruise. Up. I think the Iran deal is obviously part of the legacy. I don't know if it's going to be good or bad legacy, but it's part of the well, legacy. That's something that you're not going to know for, for 10 years. And I think our international standing is better than it was. I would agree with you that our international standing is is uh, you know that I think he's well respected in in the world of politic and in the world of uh, you know and that other world I, and the no, last in, thing in you know I think he's respected <laughs> by other world leaders I and don't then the other thing that cannot be minimized is when he took office and I know that people exaggerate this we were in the worst economic situation uh, since uh, the Great Depression but it was bad no the economic situation was bad but you know the bad economic situations it seems. Are again, that's the pendulum. Things go bad. Yes. Things get, you know, it's just. But it's, you can it's, make it's them the natural, worse. It's the natural fault. Yes, you can make them worse. And he did not make it worse. And I think that you know, investing in infrastructure projects that are that are shovel ready, so to speak, is always a good move. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. and it shouldn't take a uh, it shouldn't take a, a a financial crisis to to push to, to make that happen. Quite frankly. And the last thing, go, man of honor. You got to admit, no scandals, no no. Nothing nothing that you were embarrassed about the president. Were you embarrassed by the president no, ever? I was never embarrassed by the president, but I could say the same well, I was I could say the same thing about George Bush. I wasn't embarrassed there was no actual scandals stuff like there might have been decisions I didn't agree with, but 
Sure, sure. I, I don't think he uh, embarrassed the presidency in any way, shape, or form. I mean, I think starting a war uh, preemptively, I think, I think was. But a, I don't think at the time it was something that was considered embarrassing. I no, mean, you're at right. the, I mean, at the time, we can go back to uh, it. At the time, yeah. I always like to point it out that the New Yorker wrote an endorsement of the war. The New Yorker. I know. Well, I, I'm still. I almost canceled my subscription, but I gotta have some more of that Jane Meyer. I can't live without no, her. No, you cannot. Anyway, we gotta I get out. So, Vince, what are you doing after the show? Oh, today. I don't know. I thought I was. I, I got to get home. My wife wanted me to make some burgers on the grill, but it's now it's so late. I don't. I don't see that happening. Well, I'm going to go work a shift at the Park Slope Food Co-op, oh, which so is the setting for my hit show, Murder at the Food Co-op at the Fringe Festival. Is it a hit? Sure, it's a hit. We're is selling it, tickets like hotcakes. How many? What's are any shows sold out? So we are literally. I could check right now, but we're like ten seats away from being a sellout on Sunday at five p.m. That's this Sunday, five p.m. So stay away from that performance. I need you at the matinee on Wednesday, August 24th at 2 p.m. Great time to see a show. I got to point out uh, Adam Derwitz and the Counting Crows are going to be performing Tuesday night at the uh, Coney Island Amphitheater. Adam Derwitz, a friend of the show. Friend of the show. He's been on. We might replay that for you if you like. You can go listen to it in in our archives, our interview with Adam Derwitz. But my question for you, Gersh, is I haven't been to this new Coney Island Amphitheater yet. I got to get out there. But I need to know, is it air-conditioned? Or no, is it amp- indoor-outdoor? Amp- How does it work over there? The word amphitheater you- coming from the ancient Greek, ampi, meaning open air, uh-huh. and theater meaning you got no air conditioning, my friend. Oh, you sure about that? I am sure. I want to go. You can get tickets for like 25 bucks. You sit way in the back. So you can see Adam Duritz on Tuesday night and mm-hmm. then come see Murder at the Food Co-op Wednesday night at 6.15. I'm going to Murder at the Food Co-op on a Thursday show. Thursday show. That's Thursday, August 24th at 7 p.m. Yeah, so that week, we're probably not going to do this show. No, no way. All right, anyway, Jimmy, we got to get out. Give me some closing music, and I'm going to say goodbye to Vince, and I'm going to thank our guests. i got to tell you, the last few minutes of this show, I thought it went downhill. Last week, we had a great conversation about cocktails with me, Ruth, and Max, and you should take a listen to that. Wow, that's that's a little nasty. Well, we, if we had gotten my father on the phone, it would have been great. It would have been great. Anyway, we got to get out. I'm Gersh Kunstman of the New York Daily News with Vince DiMasselli, a handsome man and editor of The Brooklyn Paper. Thanks for listening. <laughs>